it be known that on this date, March 1st, 2021, the 2000. 346 fantasy baseball podcast has been created. <laughs> it's on this date that the powerful Oracle Ray Flowers and uh, me, Kyle Elfrink, are teaming up uh, to provide the first of many fantasy baseball uh, insights and strategies and edges uh, to you, the audience. And, and so here we are, March 1st, 2021. It's the debut episode of Baseball Elite. We'll be here uh, three times a week, kind of your one-stop shop to get you to a fantasy title. And it's no fun listening to me and only me. It's it's great to have the other guy here, too. Uh, the one and only uh, Oracle. Ray Flowers is with us for all the fun. Uh, Ray, here it is. It's it's the start of history. It's the start of a new fantasy baseball season. How you doing? I'm good, Kyle. Yeah, I'm really glad that we get a chance to talk more baseball. We've uh, kind of been curtailed a little bit uh, from doing that of late. And so we'll get an opportunity, as you said, here three times a week and, you know, for Fantasy Guru to to talk a bunch of baseball and continue the discussion with the listeners. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and of course, we love the back and forth. You can always uh, shoot Ray a, a tweet at fantasy or at uh, baseball guys, and uh, we can uh, use that for the show. Any questions that you might have, we're more than willing to take those. And as we noted, three times a week is kind of the plan. Here we are on a Monday, and uh, we'll have uh, hopefully another episode coming up on Wednesday. And then there will be a weekend episode. Uh, the plan is for uh, Saturdays to also uh, give you a taste of both Ray and I. And it should be fun as uh, we get rolling. And and Ray, we are in the thick of it. Uh, we are rolling. I know you've been in drafts. I've been in drafts. And, and certainly our audience is getting ready for what we hope is a draft-filled March, which leads us to a baseball-filled season. We're, we're looking for 162 after kind of the letdown of last summer. We are. Uh, and, you know, it's I was a little dubious a couple weeks ago a month ago but i think we're moving in the right direction here you never know what could happen but the world seems to be smiling a little bit kyle um baseball is you know we, we've got spring going we've even had some you know fans in attendance where you know hope springs eternal all that kind of good stuff so i'm i'm hopeful that we will get those 162 in uh, and just a note too that uh, people can leave questions in the chat room at fantasy okay. guru too um and if, if something good pops there we might discuss it on the show as well and uh, one thing we're going to do pretty well every show, at least that's the plan, is uh, give you a starting lineup. Uh, we're going to present you the one through nine batting order, if you will, for every episode of the Baseball Elite podcast. Uh, we'll go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, go one time through the order and kind of give you a rundown of the subjects that we plan to discuss over the next hour or so. So let's get into today's starting lineup. Uh, leading off, we'll kind of just give you an introduction to the show, an introduction to us. We know we are uh, maybe fresh to your ears. You've seen Ray's writing. You've probably heard him too uh, here at uh, Guru Elite. I'm a little fresh, so we'll kind of tell you what we're doing there. Uh, batting second, we'll talk about the arrival of spring training games. That happened over the weekend. Uh, in the third hole for our lineup today, what are we going to be talking about one month from now? Ray and I will give you some predictions because, hey, a month from today is April 1st. That is indeed the scheduled start of the season. Uh, batting cleanup today, we'll talk about leagues that are changing their scoring, including one that Ray's going to be in. Uh, how about if you got rid of wins and you went to a league with innings pitched as a scoring category and said, how does that change things with draft strategy? Uh, batting fifth, we'll talk about good teams, but terrible innings reliability. What the heck's going on with the Dodgers and the Rays pitching staffs for this year? 
In the sixth spot will be our player profile. We'll take a look at Hunter Dozier. Batting seventh, we'll talk about some of our favorite multi-positional picks for 2021. Coming up in the eighth spot, a uh, topic that we'll have each and every uh, edition of this show, random reference. We'll explain that coming up. And also in the nine hole, the stamp of approval. So we'll talk about both those items as we get deeper into the show and tell you what we're thinking about there. But Ray, let's start with an introduction to the show. Uh, as I noted, Ray, people know you from your writing. Uh, maybe they know the both of us from being together. I guess, what are we going on, Ray? It's almost like 15 years if you go back to the start times Gosh. For, for you and I to be together talking fantasy baseball. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think I would say 13 years. I could be wrong. Uh, 13 or 14. Yeah, it's it's been a long time. We used to do a podcast for Fanball. There's obviously Fanball now and kind of went away and then is, is, was reborn with Charchin and the group there. But be even before then, we uh, we were cranking out magazines. We were doing a podcast. And then we were able to transition over to SiriusXM. Uh, we were fortunate enough, I think, because of your background, Kyle, to uh, be on the channel the very first day. Um, and so we've, we've gone through the decades plus now <laughs> of doing this together. Thank you for putting up with me. Yeah, and and I think uh, I've still got all my hair, and Ray all uh, has all his hair from, from the, the early when we days. Started. Yeah, yeah, you're looking good, still looking good after all these years. <laughs> and of course, Ray, um, you know, in, in in our daily lives, we're talking baseball, we're talking football, we we talk some hoops there, we we, we talk, you know, DFS, we talk the gaming aspect, uh, the the gambling aspect, the wagering aspect. All these things are discussed ad nauseum uh, between you and I, but the focus of this show is going to be baseball and baseball alone. And I really think Ray with the three times a week, um, we'll be able to hit all the topics that matter. We'll be able to talk about uh, guys who are kind of emerging, uh, maybe guys who are under the radar, uh, some trade discussions. And I think one other aspect is you and I will be able to relate some of what's going on in our own fantasy baseball worlds with our own leagues and maybe some trades we're thinking about or some some issues we're having with players. Really, I, I think three times a week will give us a, a total landscape and, and portrayal of what's going on in the fantasy baseball season. I, I wouldn't expect people to miss much of anything. If you team it up with your writing at, at Fantasy Guru and then you have this podcast on the other side, everybody should be covered from A to Z. Absolutely. And uh, there's always a chance to that or even the likelihood that I'll sneak in a solo podcast from here and there. Uh, we got so much going on here with this podcast. Vlad Southern and I were doing a division by division look that took some time. I still haven't gone through my top 50 at each position like I promised everyone I would do. So um, I think I'm up to second base or something like that. So I'll, I'll sneak some of those in. But yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be great. People have something to look forward to. There'll be consistency with it and hopefully it'll be a good show. Isn't it crazy? We have all these topics and you think, oh, we've got a month until the start of the season. And Ray, we still run out of time. And, and to me, that's the beauty of fantasy baseball. And I think that's why we need a show like this. There, there are literally hundreds of angles and, and obviously hundreds of players and hundreds of strategies. I, I know some fantasy games are more popular, but I think baseball as the OG, if you will, there, there is still so much attraction the fantasy baseball, because, you know, just take, for instance, you and I, and I'm guessing a lot of our listeners, you know, you're doing this for decades. And Ray, I still think every year you're learning things. And this sport in particular, the world of baseball, Ray, we are in an ever changing world of major league baseball. And that is really altering how everybody's playing the fantasy game right now. Yeah, well, it should be. I, I've heard from some people, Kyle, I don't think it has. And that's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, because yeah, the, the game is changing. Uh, you know, 
bullpens, we used to get one guy. Now we get many teams with shared bullpens. The bigger storyline is, is what teams are doing with their pitching staffs. Last year, for the first time ever, starting pitchers didn't average five innings. Uh, this year, we're coming in. We've got teams going six-man rotations at the start. We've got other teams talking about going to six-man rotations in season. We've got openers. We've got all these changes. And, you know, then we've got the stupid rules changes and putting guys on second stupid, base. Stupid, huh? That's what stupid. you're going with. They're I'm just totally it, stupid. Totally <laughs> stupid. Yeah, I'm not playing softball in high school. Totally stupid. Ray and I disagree on this, by the way. We do. What are, what are your thoughts on the seven innings? I think the seven-inning doubleheaders probably worse you yeah I, i'm not a fan of that um if i'm in a league where i get bonus points for complete games i kind of like it oh, uh, no. that, that helped me last season when i had trevor bauer and he was going up against pittsburgh but i i do disagree with that one i i actually kind of enjoy the extra inning rule and i know ray and i are really gonna butt heads on that and and that is one rule ray especially that affects fantasy players mm-hmm. you know a guy can lose a game um or see his era go up and and not even allow a in effect an earned run or even a hit like <laughs> or you can win a game Ray and not really do anything now with that runner starting at second base to begin extra innings. Yeah, it's a it's a very if <laughs> we could spend forty five minutes on this. I, I think I just don't like the rule. I don't like what it does to the game. And as you're noting, it, it can have an adverse effect on the, the the pitcher. The pitcher doesn't have their ERA affected, I guess. But you know, like you're saying, the loss. You know, and that's, it's just, it changes the dynamic of the game so much. And, you know, we, we, I don't think we want to artificially monkey around with things and we don't want pitchers end up getting losses, teams getting losses that they didn't necessarily deserve, but that's where we're at in 2021. And of course, uh, one other part of this show that we should bring up because, you know, we'll be talking more about those subjects and obviously various players, but one other item to hit in the leadoff spot here is uh, talking about the ability to reach us. I mean, Ray, I touched on Twitter at, at baseball guys. Uh, people might already be looking for me and wondering what the heck, where, where can I find Kyle Alfrank? Um, We should know you can't find me on Twitter. Um, you, you may find my name, but you can't find me. You can't get a hold of me on Twitter. And Ray, I've, I've kind of held that up as a, uh, I don't know, a, a sword, if you will, a, a bright shining trophy that I'm the only guy on radio without a Twitter. Mm-hmm. Now I get to be the only guy on, on podcasting without a Twitter. And, a and I, sh- <laughs> I don't know. Is that a good thing, Kyle? I don't yeah, know. it's a good thing because okay. that means I don't have to deal with it. It means you get to deal with it, which uh, I love. I mean, if people want to reach us, they can reach out to Ray at baseball guys and everything's taken care of. Yeah. Well, luckily for us again, they can use the chat room for this too, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you're, I've, I've shouldered the burden for a decade now. I yeah. guess I'll just keep doing it. It's what makes you so good. It, it's what makes Ray Flowers the one and only that we always talk about. Okay, so the preliminaries are out of the way again three times a week. We'll go about an hour. We'll see where the news takes us. Uh, but the goal is, is to get you up to date on everything going on with fantasy baseball and to give you that edge that you expect here from Fantasy Guru. We're only going to do more of that as we go through the upcoming months. Uh, let's go to the two spot in our batting lineup, uh, Ray, today. And, and we start with what's happening down in Florida and Arizona. Uh, here we are. The games have arrived. Um, all the COVID intakes are, are over, and there are a few players dealing with that. But we got to see some action over the weekend. And, Ray, I think it was nice just to see some sunshine and, and to see some competition. We got to see some fans in, in the stands as well. Uh, but in terms of fantasy, is is there anything yet that caught your eye? Is there anything you were even paying attention to uh, with a day or two of games already under our belt? Yeah, it was nice to have game action and to see some things occur. And I I don't take much out of this, to be honest with you. I want to see guys healthy and, and you know, 
get the reports that the mechanics are right, the bodies are right. I think the one thing that stuck out to me that wasn't necessarily game action were the continued reports with Shohei Itani throwing 9,700 miles an hour. Yeah, he's bad. Huh? Yeah. Um, and, you know, he was about 96, I think, before the injury. And so we're, we're hearing that he's not only there, but beyond that, um, if something happened on the field, it's probably the Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kelnick thing, you know, with everything that went on with the Mariners. Those two guys kind of combined to win a game yesterday. But, yeah, I think Otani is the, the big news uh, story that, to this point. And, uh, you know, you mentioned we've done some drafts and all that. I have taken Otani in a couple of leagues here. Uh, so I'm good to hear the early reports are that the arm at least seems healthy. Well, and, and that's great, Ray, that he's hitting 100. Everybody loves radar gar- gun readings. In fact, as we go through spring training, you're going to hear all these you know, discussions or read some write-ups about, hey, this guy has gained uh, two and a half miles on his fastball over where he was last year. And Ray, obviously, we had the shortened season last year. Obviously, people are looking for anything they can grab onto. And, and velocity readings is one of the items that many uh, do tackle. And I'm not saying they're incorrect or a waste of your time. That There is something uh, to be deciphered from those numbers. But in the case of Otani, Ray, it's it's really cool. Okay, 98, 99, 100. But that doesn't really mean anything for Shohei Otani's fantasy outlook. The problem with Otani, Ray, is we just do not know. What are we, four years in now? We don't know how Shohei Otani is going to be used. And frankly, looking at this season, I think Otani is much more valuable as a hitter than he is as a pitcher for fantasy purposes. So even if we get these great readings and, and even some great results down in Arizona for the Angels and Otani, I, I don't know, Ray, that it really changes my perception of him as a pitcher in 2021. He's he's a guy who's going to be limited, who's going to be held back. Uh, he may look great, but overall, I think the impact is going to be dulled just a bit. Can't say you're wrong. I mean, and that's the thing. I think we, we we talk all the time about taking risks on draft day, taking risks when you're you know putting a team together, and and he's a risk because. A, we don't know how his bat's going to perform. B, we don't know how his arm's going to perform. C, we don't know how they're going to perform in conjunction with one another. We just don't know. Um, I, I look at him in, you know, with the way he's likely to be used, it looks like the Angels are used a six-man rotation. That means he starts one game a week. Um, the question is, does he bat the game before and the game after he pitches? There's uncertainty there. So we could be looking at him, you know, getting three or four games a week as a hitter. And unless you're in a league where you can change your lineup on a daily basis, that's completely unappealing. So the times I have taken Otani into this point of the draft season in 2021, I've drafted him as a pitcher. I've drafted him with the expectation is, look, these leagues I'm in, unfortunately, only put your lineup in once a week. I'll get my one start and that'll be it. But, you know, being I think the biggest takeaway is, again, his arm is healthy. He's changed his diet. He's changed his, his routine, all the, you know, the mechanical things he, he's worked on, you know, getting back into shape. And we'll see. He is immensely talented. Lots of guys have been immensely talented. Byron Buxton, it happens all the time where guys have talent that doesn't translate. I like, obviously, the whole game that, that he brings Otani. I wish that they would kind of choose one side or the other. It would certainly make our game much easier in the fantasy space. But again, my intention at this point is to pitch him. So let's hope that he can do things other than just throw hard. And and Ray, I brought this up a couple of weeks ago with Otani. I, I wonder if the angels are better served and he's better served and maybe even fantasy players are better served if he comes out of the bullpen. Um, now the problem with that, and there's a big problem. If, if he's your DH and you say he's available that day to come out of the bullpen, once you remove him from that DH, I think this rule still holds. <laughs> yeah, you lose the DH. Mm-hmm. 
So if, if you wanted to bring him in in the seventh inning and he makes that quote unquote positional change, well, now you're going to have a pitcher hitting there. Now it's fine if Otani's up the very next inning, you know, he can handle the bat, but the rest of the game, you're going to have to pinch hit. So I, I think one thing to pay attention to this spring with Otani is do we see any action in the field? Because last year, Ray, we didn't see him in the field at all. And for the most part, we have not seen him in the field. He's been a DH exclusively, which makes sense if you're going to be a starting pitcher and it kind of avoids that wear and tear. But if he were to be in the field at all, maybe you have him in right field or something. If he were to be out there, Ray, then that opens the door to maybe him being used out of the bullpen. And I know this is going down a lot of different roads and, you know, the rotations health and all this. But I just wonder if that's a thought for Joe Madden and his crew that, Maybe we can get this guy in the outfield on those days. We can use him in the bullpen and we can bring the guy in, in the eighth inning or, or Hey, if Iglesias is, is worn out and he can't go in the ninth that day, maybe we bring Otani in in the ninth, but Ray, this would be a fireballer out of the eighth and ninth inning out of the bullpen that, that could maybe do some damage for you and maybe help this team just as much out of the bullpen than he could as out, out of the starting rotation. My understanding of the situation is they wanted him to start but that is not to say that they don't want to pivot to what you're talking about if it ends up being the right move uh the angels obviously did a lot of work this offseason to improve their bullpen it was not strong last year um at the top they brought in iglesias to kind of lock down the ninth inning so they're searching for answers here and i think the the answer to ultimately how otani is used is also you know if you look at the, the offense not that albert pools is albert pools anymore but are you really going to make Albert Pools Hall of Famer a bench guy? I mean, because if you if you have Otani hitting DH and Jared Walsh makes this team, he's playing first base. Otani uh, Pools is on the bench, so you have to wonder about what the this pitching scenario with Otani also does to the offense. Because I, I mean, it looks like Albert Pools is playing three times a week. So I'm not saying you should be playing necessarily more than that, but I think it it has the effect on, on both sides of things, and it also has an effect on the entire pitching staff. Because, again, the Angels' plan is to go with six guys, and they added Cobb and Quintana this offseason with that expectation. Um, you know, Dylan Bundy is very stable and solid, but Heaney's had all kinds of arm problems. Canning's had elbow issues. We're talking about Otani. Like, this thing could go up in flames really quickly if one or two of these guys can't perform. Well, then you have a couple of veterans right now in the corners in the outfield. Justin Upton's, like, almost 34, and Dexter Fowler is almost 35. So... You know, those are guys who are no sure thing in terms of health or in terms of production, manning left and right. So maybe you sneak Otani in there. It's just something to think about. Maybe as we go through this next month, we'll get some news on that. Joe Madden has always thought out of the box. And, and I know that's out of the box, what I'm saying with Otani. Uh, so maybe Joe Madden kind of embraces that idea or at least looks into the idea. I actually think for fantasy players, again, I think it's a better setup if you own Otani and he's coming out of the pen than if he's a, a starting pitcher. I, I really do for 2021. But we'll see how it goes in the month of March, and we'll see how Otani looks when he is on the hill. Speaking of the, the spring and, and what happens over the next month, Ray, let's go to the third spot in the lineup, and let's talk about maybe some predictions uh, for the fantasy owners out there that you and I have. Um, a month from today, April 1st, will be the cross-your-fingers start of the season, and I think everybody's playing baseball that day. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, let's throw out a few predictions as to what maybe will be in the news for a fantasy player, or maybe some noteworthy news coming out of camps at that point. Uh, hit us with a couple, Ray. What, what would mm -hmm. be things that uh, you think people will be talking about come 30 days from now? 30 days from now, people are going to be talking about the slow start of JT Ramuto 
And people are going to be saying to themselves, look, I spent a top 40 pick on this guy. I was taking him in the third or fourth round. And that, that issue with his finger set him back a little bit. The swing looks a little bit off. And JT Ramuto, in a month in, Kyle is not going to look like he's a star in the fantasy game. And it's going to be very disappointing to a lot of folks. I've got a simple solution for that, Ray. Don't draft him. Huh? Problem yeah. solved. Right. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and I know, where it, hey, if you want to draft him, folks, you got to draft him in like the fourth or fifth round, sometimes even earlier. We've seen drafts where he's going you know, well inside the top 40, even um, just don't do it. Stay away from it as a catcher. That, that would be my solution. Uh, what else a month from now? How about this one, Colin? I guess I'm going negative today. We got, we got up early to do this podcast starting a new week. And for some reason I'm negative. Um, Cody yeah. Bellinger, who's the second round pick everywhere. He also will start. So he'll be in the lineup. He'll be trugging along, but he won't have the power that we're expecting People seemingly giving him a free pass, Kyle, even though he had shoulder surgery. Not supposed to be major, but he did have shoulder surgery. Still being drafted inside the top 20 overall. Yeah, you're to totally right, Ray. And, and traditionally, those shoulder surgeries have not been, quote unquote, easy to come back. Now, they're not all the same. They are different. But, you know, Bellinger is, is now dealing with, in effect, his first real injury. Um, and it happened last year, you know, late last season, but also during the World Series when he was uh, handing out the forearm shivers, if you will. Uh, but he says he's done with that. Uh, we'll see. I like that one with Bellinger. You got one more for us? I do. We'll go to the shortstop position. And Glaber Torres is a, a player that I've been picking up in a lot of drafts because he's not in that elite group to start at the shortstop position. Everyone surges for. And based upon the draft strategy that I've been using this year where people are going pitching and I'm still going hitting, Glaber Torres has been a guy I've ended up on. And I think that Glaber Torres will remind everyone in this first month that, yeah, his last full season, what did he do? He almost hit 40 home runs. He had 90 runs. He had 90 RBIs. He was a ascending star in this game that has been forgotten about just a little bit. I don't think this is a Carlos Correa situation. I think Glaber Torres will actually live up to expectations and people will remember it a month from now. And he's still not even 25. I think he's 24 now for this 2021 season. And, and you're right, Ray. Torres is a great example of a guy who was so hot coming off of 2019. And it feels like 12 months later at the start of 2021, it's like, oh yeah, I got to remind myself how good this guy is or maybe what he was thought of in the fantasy community. And, and that is so important this year because you look at Torres, he only played 42 games. Um, he crash landed in terms of home runs. I mean, everybody did when you're only playing 60 games, but this guy went from 38 ding-dongs in 144 games all the way down to three in 42 games. And so it's, it's very easy to look at his numbers and they are just empty last year. Mm -hmm. I mean, this looks like a lousy hitting middle infielder when you just look at the line score from last season. Yeah. And I, by the way, good use of ding dong. Um, I haven't heard that enough. Uh, he, We're bringing it back in 2021. We, we, we are. Yes. I don't think he's a 40 home run hitter. I don't think he's a 35 home run hitter. I, I you know, 25 to 30 kind of be where I'd be setting my expectations. Um, but at the same time, I didn't think, I don't think anyone believed he would have the power he's had at the big league level. That was the one thing it's like, he could, you know, use the field and he had popped the opposite, opposite way and all that, but no one expected him to develop into being a 35 home run guy. He's done it. Um, you look at last season, even though the, like you're saying, the, the overall production was way down. His exit velocity was very similar. His launch angle was very similar. His hard hit rate was very similar. His walk rate actually was a huge step forward for him best strikeout rate of his three seasons. There are lots of seeds here that suggest, yes, it's going to be very good in 2021. So those are a few things Ray has that uh, he thinks we'll be talking about come April 1st. Uh, here's the list I've got. Uh, first off in the bullpen, Ray, I think there's going to be a fade by many owners of Brad Hand. 
And I think there's going to be, say, a gain for Chris Martin. Uh, both guys out of the NL East. Now, we talked about velocity readings. Uh, for anybody who's read up on Brad Hand coming into this year, uh, last year the numbers were great, the results were fine, but people worried about his velocity. Uh, for the most part, Cleveland bailed on him. He ends up with the Nationals. He should be the closer. But I wonder if we go through spring, will the velocity rating or readings be there? Will people say, okay, hand is back. My gut tells me that his velocity is still going to be down. And if that is the case, people will fade him. I am of the belief that he may just be saving some bullets. You know, why push it in spring camp? I think hand, I'm hoping he fades because I'd be all over that as a, as a closer that I'm getting at a discount. And then Ray on the Chris Martin one, I'm just going to go out and say he wins the job in Atlanta. And I know right now they're not talking about a guy winning that job. And there's certainly Will Smith and maybe somebody else emerges, but Chris Martin, who I will admit would be very old to win his first closers job. I think he's almost 35, uh, but he's six, eight, he's two twenty. last year. He was mostly unhittable. Ray, I'll just call it today. Martin wins a job. People are in on him, and Brad Hand has a job, and people will be fading him. I think Martin has moved up like 35 spots in the rankings of Fantasy Guru since we debuted him because, you know, I, I, I was looking at him at the start, and you look at the numbers, and you're like, wow, this is good. But like you're saying, he's an old guy. He's never done the job. I, I'm a, I've always been a big Will Smith fan. Um, I think he's a very skilled pitcher, but you're right. And, and Chris Martin, depending upon where you go and where you draft, he, he's innocuous. You know, he hasn't had the job before. His name is boring. All these kind of things. Well, not that Will Smith is exciting, but, you know, it, it's, <laughs> it's one of those scenarios where a lot of people, I, there's not much hype in some scenarios with him. So I think that's a great call. It's absolutely possible. He leads that team in saves, emerges as the, the closing option to start the year. And the Brad Hand one is, is, is interesting for a different reason, and that is that, look, there's no way you can look at what he did unless you're looking at the back of his baseball card last year and be impressed by it, Okay. The 16 for 16 in saves and the 0.77 whip, fantastic. But he's not that guy, okay? He did not pitch that way last year. He was extremely fortunate. He allows more fly balls than ever, and he doesn't give up a single home run. I mean, come on. So things are changing for him, but but the landscape of the position is such, we don't know who's closing for like half the teams. And the Nationals brought in hand to close. Hand could have an ERA that's 3.8. His whip could be one, two, and it could be rather middling there. He could still get you 35 saves. So I agree with you. He is not someone I'm seeking out, but with the landscape of the position, he's not a terrible addition. A uh, pair of other quick items I'll throw out here as we go through our third spot in the lineup. Um, I think Cubby Bats will kind of wake up in this month of March, and, and I think positivity will kind of reign coming out of Cubs camp. And, and what I'm getting at is the likes of Chris Bryant, um, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Wilson Contreras. I, I think those guys are going to leave camp and people will feel good about them. Like the vets are back one more run for the, for the Chicago Cubs. Now, I don't know if that's going to continue, but I'm just kind of expecting those guys to be a little more focused this spring training. All of them had down seasons and all of them are probably on the trading block at this point. I, I think it's going to be a good March for those guys. And you could see some adjustments in, in late drafts for the month of March. And then one item I'll throw out here, and, and Ray, I'm interested in your take here. I'll say that Jared Kellenick makes the, makes the roster for Seattle. And I, I think he'll hit well enough, and I think there's enough 
of the news going on with the Mariners and, and what their team president or whoever the guy was last week who came out and pretty well said, oh, yeah, we kept him out and, and down in the minors because he wouldn't sign a long term deal with us. I mean, they pretty well admitted uh, that they were messing around with his MLB service time. I, I think that storyline, Ray, could actually force Kellenic onto the opening day roster for Seattle. And if that happens, uh, that's going to be a guy who people are drafting as like their third outfielder. I mean, people are going to be all over Jared Kellenic if he makes this opening day roster for the Mariners. You know, I cagey like a fox, isn't that the, the term here? I think Kellenic and his agent created a firestorm around a non-story. Now, well, what the president said and all that, that, you know, he should have been fired and all that. Is there service time manipulation going on? We know there is. This is not new. Of course, we know it. That's why there's going to be probably a strike at the end of the year this year when the collective bargaining <laughs> runs out, right? We all know that. But this idea that you know he deserves to be in the majors, he has 92 plate appearances above A ball. 92. That's, I mean, he has a month of games above single A. Like the, he doesn't have the experience. He's 21 years old. I know he's a great prospect. I know that everyone envisions all-star teams and the whole I get it, but he has no experience. He does not deserve to be on the big league roster unless he's hitting 500 in spring. He just well, doesn't. That's what I mean, if, he, if, Ray, if he's, let's say he leaves spring training with a 390 average, right? If they send him down, there's going to be hell to play. Well, there hey, will be then. What I mean, he, I mean, Mariner fans will be upset. Yeah. Players Association will be upset. Kellenick will be upset. Probably his teammates will be upset because he gives them a better chance to win. There's a lot of fallout if this guy hits and you don't bring him up. Yeah, but it's, it's ginned up again, 92 plate appearances above a ball. And he didn't, he didn't have a season last year. That guy now deserves to be your starting. Okay. I think he and his, he's, he and his management did a great job. They took, they took a, a jacked up front office situation and spun it to their benefit. And it, he, he will, if, if we start getting reports that, Hey man, he looks great. If we start looking at the box score and it's there. And if we start getting the belief that he will be breaking camp with this team as a starting outfitter, cause he's not going to break camp as a bench guy, he will shoot up draft boards. You're absolutely right. Jake Fraley is the uh, left fielder, I think, right now for, for Seattle. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> maybe Jake Fraley will keep Jared Kellenick down. <laughs> we'll see. But I know this. If we hear that Kellenick's making this team uh, that last weekend in March, you're going to be in drafts and the price is going to be high for Jared Kellenick, no doubt about it. Uh, Ray, let's go to the cleanup spot. Uh, just talking about drafts. This is a perfect segue to it. Um, there are so many changes in baseball. You and I talked about them at the beginning of the podcast here. Um, one of the changes we're seeing in baseball is a lack of innings from starters. And of course that was extreme last season with everything we went through. And it could be extreme again this season, because in effect, none of these guys got stretched out in 2020. And perhaps because of that, Ray, we're seeing some scoring alterations in fantasy baseball. And I know coming up on, on Tuesday night, or maybe it's Tuesday afternoon, you're in a Tout Wars league, mm -hmm. and I saw they're making a switch, and, and Tout Wars is an industry-wide uh, expert league, for those who don't know. But, Ray, they're making a rather significant switch here, getting rid of wins, and they're going to score innings pitched this year. What, what do you think of that decision, first off? They're going to Solds too, Kyle. The double whammy. Well, I know you love yeah, that. You've been yeah. screaming about that since 1986. I know. I just wanted to make sure. I'm taking credit, even though it wasn't me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you know when I first heard when I first heard Solds and Innings pitch, I said I want to be in that league. Tra change me over from the mixed league. Put me in this one because I just wanted to do something different. Uh, I have been a proponent of Solds for so long. I thought it was only fitting that I got in there. 
the innings pitch one, when I first saw it, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I was, I was kind of hoping that they would go to wins plus quality starts, which is something I've written about at, at fantasy guru. Um, because you know, pitchers don't throw six innings. It used to be six innings, three runs. It's like, ah, eh, that's not a very good effort. Now guys don't do it. Let's give guys credit for doing it. Um, but then when I thought about the innings pitch a little bit more, I thought to myself, you know what? I think this kind of plays into the wheelhouse of how I talk about putting a team together in fantasy. You know, I, I am a big fan of consistency. You know that. And when you, you start talking about the Marco Gonzalez's of the world, it's like, yeah, you know, these guys are good and they go off in the 12th, 13th round, whatever, you know, and you take them and you think, okay, great. I hope he wins 15 games. If he wins 11, I'm not going to be that happy. Well, now guys like Marco Gonzalez, they, they do get a boost. And in the real world, they get a boost. It's, it's why these guys have jobs. It's why they get paid millions of dollars. It's why they're so sought after. It's why, you know, you get trades for pitchers like this and some fans go, oh, this guy's just, Ugh. and at the end of the season, he's throwing 197 innings and he'd saved your bullpen. He's helped the team. So I, I like it. It wouldn't have been my first choice, but I do like the innings pitch. Do you think it's a one-year thing or do you think it sticks? I, I think it sticks. Hmm. I, I, I mean that, and, and I get it what you're mm-hmm. saying, but like Ray, it's like, what do we look at the standings wins and losses? How have we always, except for the last 15 years, rewarded pitchers for wins? You know, nobody goes to the arbitrator and, and they get a you know $20 million contract because they threw innings last year. Hence, Marco Gonzalez isn't, you know, one of the highest paid guys in right. baseball. Neither is Lance Lynn. You know, for the last couple of years, nobody has really wanted Lance Lynn. And all he does is go out there and almost pitch like a Cy Young winner. And, and now, Ray, it's just like we're going to dump wins. It's It's almost... It's almost, Ray, like dumping RBIs because a lot of people will argue, oh, RBIs, they're all happenstance. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a measure of just being lucky in the right spot in the order, guys being on base. They don't really tro- show the uh, true value of a player. I mean, it'd, it'd be wild to get rid of RBIs, and and I get why you choose innings pitches, innings pitch, but, man, it's just wild to think you're getting rid of pitcher wins, too. Yeah, but I mean, and you know this, look at the win and it's truncated season last year, but look at some of the guys at the top of the you know performance board, if you will. Jacob DeGrom won four games. Nelson Lamette won three. Luis Castillo won four. Brandon Woodruff won three. I mean, they, they, these guys pitched great. If you had those guys on your staff last year, you won a fantasy league and they didn't even pitch to 500 baseball. It's like, I, you look at the the offense and there's that in traditional setups. By the way, um, Tout Wars use on-base percentage in, instead of uh, batting average, too, which I do like. Uh, there's one category on offense that's a ratio category. It's either average or on-base percentage. In pitching, we've got two. We've got ERA and WHIP. So I'm looking for some kind of stability because we're, we obviously have 50% more ratio options we do on the pitching side than, than the hitting side. I like the idea of trying to stabilize that again. My preference would be to take wins and saves and combine them. Cause I don't, I agree with you getting rid of wins. It's not that it's a terrible idea because we all say wins are volatile. We all say wins aren't directly in control of the pitcher, but it's such a bedrock component of the game and the way we've evaluated. I mean, we grew up, right. Your dad was talking to you about wins, strikeouts and ERA, right? That's what we did. Right. So I don't love the idea of getting rid of it. I would like to combine it with the innings pitch, but I do like the idea that we look at it now because we have been unwilling to do it most of the time in fantasy game to make the fantasy game more directly applicable to the real world game. And if the average starting pitcher isn't throwing five innings anymore, and that's maybe it was just last year, it's a one-off, but it was five, two the year before, whatever it was. I like the idea of giving some credit to the guys that go out there and do their job for an extended period of time. 
And again, that's what the Tout Wars League, at least the one that Ray is in, there's a variety of Tout Wars Leagues, but the one that Ray is in for tomorrow's draft is going to have innings pitched as a category. Does your strategy change for that draft, Ray? Um, A little. I mean, the, the problem, and this is the, the problem you run into, and I'm not necessarily saying it's going to happen in this league because everyone's pretty sharp in the Tout Wars League, but you start looking at the list and you start you know, saying to yourself, okay, Shane, excuse me, Lance Lynn goes up a couple of spots because of his innings pitched. Okay, fine. Are people really going to bump Antonio Senzatella or Kyle Freeland because they threw a lot of innings? Eh. You know, I I tend to shy away from the guys that are, you know, the hot, I I tend to shy away from the Michael Kopecks of the world where I don't know what their role is going to be. I tend to to shy away from guys with injury concerns, a guy like Denelson Lament. So I think, again, my strategy overall plays into this because part of what I do value Zach Granke. Like we've talked about this. I did the, the FSGA draft. I think it was where I took Lynn and Granke, my top two guys. I value the stability that some of these veterans bring a little bit more, I think, than some people in the industry. So I don't think my strategy overall is going to change that much. This idea of, of switching up that categories from uh, wins to innings pitch, it connects to our fifth spot in the batting order. And Ray, as we make the move to number five, it's the innings reliability. Um, And we really don't have it this year Uh, coming off last season. You just don't know how teams are going to handle young arms. You don't even know how they're going to handle veteran arms. Uh, You don't know if uh, 40 innings thrown last year means that you can go 140 this year and every team may handle this differently. And, and teams may change strategies throughout the year. They may start the year with a six man rotation. They may be to seven by the time May goes or comes around, they, they may be ILing guys constantly and and playing roster games with the minor leagues. It's going to be a headache this year, Ray, to find these innings. So, Hey, it's, it's been a headache to look for wins. Mm -hmm. So you get rid of that category. Now you get a new headache, you know, (laughs) find me some innings. And I I think as we look at, at 2021, you know, the two teams that we ended last year with the Dodgers and Rays, Ray Flowers, they're they're part of the problem here. They're yeah. part of the issue. The, these two teams are stacked with arms. They're stacked with fresh strategies. They have a different way of looking at the game. And right now it's early, but I don't know if things clear up by the time opening day rolls around. We really don't know what the Rays and the Dodgers are going to do. These are just two examples, but I spotlight them, Ray, because they're the top of the heap. They're the best in the game. And usually when the best in the game are doing something, then everybody else says, oh, that's that's the way we should do it. If it works for them, that'll work for us. And what's doubly fascinating about these two teams is they're on opposite ends of the payroll spectrum, yet they have a similar strategy of maybe one or two guys that are true starters and then a whole bunch of guys that can be shuttled around between the second and ninth inning. And Ray, again, just two examples, but the Rays and the Dodgers, those two squads, after the first two or three names, with their pitching staffs, you really start to to roll your eyes and, and twiddle your thumbs and just wonder how the heck they're going to handle it this year. Yeah, depending upon when people listen to this podcast, the, the article that I have for Monday, for today, is uh, five six-man rotations. And I went through and tried to find the, the, you know, the teams and that we've committed to this, we're thinking about this, just so people are aware. Uh, and that's something to think about in the, you know, any draft that uses innings like Tout Wars, like, what do you do with Angels pitchers? You got to bump them down a little bit because they're using a six-man rotation. But the Dodgers legitimately could have a seven-man rotation, like legitimate. If they wanted to do that and they have been, you know, the, the Rays get all the press. You're right, Kyle. But the Dodgers have been very much about, 
you know, let's do whatever we can do. Maybe it's legal. Maybe it's not. That's why the aisle rules kind of change. The Dodgers really push that. They rest guys. They say they were hurt. They'd be back throwing 95 miles an hour for 10 days later. Okay. <laughs> um, Kershaw, Bueller, Bauer, Price, and Urias look like the guys. But then you got Tony Gonsolin, who was magnificent last year, and Dustin May, who's the future too, right? Like both these guys, Gonsolin and May would be starting in the rotation for 95% of teams in baseball. They're out. So what do the Dodgers do? Do they micromanage this? Do they go back and forth? Do they give the veterans, you know, these quote unquote aisle stays? Uh, the Rays are even more fascinating because, I mean, they've got Tyler Glass now, and we don't know if Tyler Glass now can throw 180 innings. We don't know. Ryan Yarbrough has been used as that, you know, bulk reliever behind the opener. He's probably their most stable guy. And can he throw 180 innings? I think he could. Would they let him? I don't know. And then you look at Hill, Archer, Waka, like those three guys could throw 180 innings combined. So it is, it is fascinating to see, like you said, Kyle, teams that are so good that in the past, your, you know, your rotation was it, right? Rays don't have a rotation. They're still going to win ball games. And, and you could, in effect, like not have an injury for these teams, right? And I know they're going to have injuries, but even if they didn't have injuries, let's say they got lucky and it, and it happens occasionally, but you know, all these guys are able to make their starts. And, and yet still, the, these two teams are going to use probably 25 pitchers this year. <laughs> you know, they, they just will through trades, through call-ups, through send-downs, through injuries. I, I mean, they're going to just load up. And a team like the Dodgers especially, and to an extent the Rays, they can do it, Ray. I mean, the Dodgers, it's kind of embarrassing, all the arms they've got. And maybe they're finally thinning out the pipeline. But then again, you go out and you sign Trevor Bauer, and it just reminds you, oh, yeah, that, that means that, I guess we're going to see more bullpen work for a Julio Urias or, or Tony Gonsolin's going to be back in the bullpen or Dustin May is going to be in the minors. It's like silly with how the Dodgers will use guys. And I think it's going to be frustrating. Like if you own Kershaw and Bueller, okay, whatever. But a lot of these other guys, Ray, they're going to get drafted. And I think it's going to be frustrating from week to week as to how they're used. Well, yeah. And I mean, take the example of a guy that was mentioned, but we didn't you know, hit on David Price. He didn't throw an inning last year what you know he's an older guy like his arm should be healthier he should be stronger i'm air quoting right now doesn't mean that he's going to be able to handle all the innings this year maybe they hold him to 85 pitches maybe they we don't know and so yeah it's going to be really fascinating and i think that's you know that is why we were just talking about innings pitch why i don't mind going innings pitch this year and and again we can make the determination in the future if it's the right thing to do i want to reward the guys that that go out there I, i i like that component uh, and there will be some pitchers that we're not talking about that will do it. There'll be a lot of pitchers that we thought would eat innings that won't. You're listening to the Baseball Elite Podcast, the uh, debut edition here with Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers going through our starting lineup. And Ray, let's move to the sixth spot in the order. Um, every show, we're going to have a player profile. Today, we've chosen Hunter Dozier of the Kansas City Royals. And we chose him, Ray, because over the weekend, the KC Royals spent mm-hmm. some money on Hunter Dozier. A a four-year extension, $25 million. I think there's a fifth-year option. But Hunter Dozier is one of those guys, Ray, that uh, failed last year. He had a bad season in 2020. uh, But the Royals obviously making a money commitment to him. Uh, There's some positional flexibility here with Hunter Dozier that I think will entice a lot of fantasy players. But what kind of bat are we expecting this year from Dozier? Yeah, and he's on the list of uh, player profiles at the site, too, because uh, I wanted to jump on him. This is before the information came out about the contract. I wanted to jump on Dozier and, and kind of do a run through here because he's a uh, he's an interesting player. He's talked about wanting to steal more bases. I think that is something he can bring. And, you know, it might be 810, right? But nothing sexy, but 8 or 10 matters a whole lot 
in 2021 baseball. He qualifies at first base. He qualifies in the outfield. Obviously, third base is a place he's going to see time this year. That could really broaden the opportunity to use him around. And, uh, you know, a couple years ago, he's a really solid offensive player. He's not young. He's almost 30 years old. And But I, I see the commitment that the Royals are willing to make to him. And that means he's playing daily, right? That's a decision they have made. He's Even if he struggles out of the shoot, he's not going to lose playing time. I think that he settles in as a 265 kind of hitter, you know, 25 home runs, 75 RBI, that kind of thing. I think he's basically Kyle Seager-like. Okay. At the, in, yeah, I know, well, I know, so I'm super excited. Kyle yeah. Seager-like, I think that's kind of what we're going to get with him. And, you know, that's a, a solid player when you talk about him in the fantasy game, Kyle, qualifying in multiple positions. Yeah, and that's the key. That's the difference, say, from a Kyle Seager. If I told you you get Kyle Seager numbers, and, and roughly speaking, that would be, you know, 20 home runs and 75 ribbies and maybe 75 runs scored and a mid-200 average. But you get that at first base, third base, and outfield. Um, now, if you look at Dozier right now, and in almost all leagues, it's going to be first base and outfield. But, Ray, he's expected to be the third baseman yep. for the Royals. So that eligibility should pop up pretty quickly. The other thing to follow with him, and this goes back to spring training and what to pay attention to lineups. You know, where is he going to be at for the Royals? It's an improved lineup. It's It's got Carlos Santana. It has Andrew Benintendi. Uh, it has Michael Taylor. It still has Merrifield, Sal Perez, Jorge Soler, Mondesi. It's a pretty interesting lineup, Ray, but the question is where does Dozier, as well as some of these other guys, where do they land in the Royals lineup? And if things were to break his way, again, that's maybe another reason to, to boost him up a round or so. Yeah, and, and I, I think the key to the lineup, and I'm not the only person saying that, is what they do with Adalberto Mondesi. Like, and we've talked about this. I've yelled about this on podcasts before, too. Mondesi yelled? is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Mondesi deserves to be on the bench. No, he, um, he's a bad offensive player. And it is a flat-out mistake to hit him first or second. It just is. All the analytics, every study ever done in, in baseball and offense would say hitting him first or second is a bad idea. The only thing that would say to hit him first or second is Whitey Herzog. I mean, it's just it's not how the game is played anymore. <laughs> but if, if he's at the top, that drops Dozier down. If he's not at the top, maybe Dozier goes up. You know, where are they going to hit Benintendi? Are they going to give him that two-hole where he's been so successful in the past? Are they going to hit him in the bottom third? You're right. This whole order and, and what they ultimately decide to do with it will go a long way to determining the value of a lot of the guys, not the least of which is Dozier. That is our uh, player profile on Hunter Dozier. Congrats to him on the new contract with the Kansas City Royals. They're spending some money here in the offseason. Uh, leads us to spot number seven in the lineup, Ray, uh, talking about some multi-positional picks for 21. Again, Hunter Dozier, first base and outfield. He's soon going to have third base. Um, as we look, and, and I know all leagues handle this differently, and they're certainly handling it differently coming off the 60-game uh, season, but as you look at 2021, I, I, I spotlighted a few names that I think people should at least know about and, and understand that they have positional flexibility. Um, I think Kevin Biggio, uh, maybe you're not excited about the numbers or the offense, but I think his infield-outfield eligibility makes a difference. And a few other names that I'll throw on before we get your list, Ray, I think Tommy Edmond can play everywhere. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez, who's now with the Red Sox, uh, the bat was a, a miserable issue last season, but I, I think he can maybe find some playing time at a variety of spots for the Red Sox. So he's kind of one of those last round picks that you can move all over the infield and even the outfield. That would be interesting. Uh, Tommy Edmond with the Cardinals, Scott Kingery. I'll throw his name out with the Phillies infield outfield. And then Ray, I got to throw out a guy who's got catcher and outfield. Uh, Dalton Varsho. Now playing time's an issue with Varsho, uh, but it's rare to see catcher outfield. So you got to throw him on this list. Very rare. And he's uh, 
one of the most athletic catchers or catching options in baseball. If playing time is completely up in the air at this point, but uh, he could hit 10 on runs, steal 15 bases. He'd go 15-15 if he played every day. Like he's got that talent, which would be extremely attractive at the catcher spot. Uh, I would encourage everyone over at Fantasy Guru just to go in the top right uh, where that search tab is. You type in multi-position, hit search MLB, and it'll bring up the, the article I wrote about this so you can get even more information. Uh, there's links to the full breakdowns. I've got you know charts and everything so people can go by position by position if they want to do that too. Uh, your league has to determine what the qualification is, seven games, eight games, 10 games, 20 games, whatever it might be. So we do have that list there for you if you want to check it out too. Um, some names that, that pop for me, um, we just talked about Dozier. David Fletcher's another guy, different kind of game, obviously, than Hunter Dozier. Second, third, shortstop, if you're using seven games of qualification there. I think that he is someone that you grab in the 20th round and he brings you extreme levels of stability in the batting average category, which is hard to find. Garrett Hampson, second base outfield. Playing time with him is also up in the air. Uh, Ian Desmond deciding not to play to start the year may open up time for Hampson. He's got that nice power speed game. Keep an eye on that. Um, his teammate, Ryan McMahon, I don't personally care about, but first, second, third is really nice. Mm -hmm. DJ LeMayhew's first, second, and third. Maybe that bumps him up a little bit in a setup that you're in. Mike Moustakas qualifies at first base and second base. Okay, you probably want to play him at second base, of course. Jeff McNeil, second, third in outfield. Kyle and I, we've talked about McNeil and his batting average, which leads baseball since he debuted. And then Max Muncy, a different kind of guy, Kyle. First, second, and third. More of an on-base percentage than batting average player. But uh, when you get that flexibility to move a guy all over the infield and he brings the power and the counting categories that Muncy does, he's very attractive. Well, and, and Muncy's a guy who can hit like Moustakis and, and we hope like Biggio, Edmund, you know, these guys can hit. A lot of these guys, there are issues with their bat. But again, you can give them a chance because of the, the spots you can put them in. And they're huge in daily leagues. Um, anybody who's been in daily league knows how valuable it is to have, say, a Dalton Varsho who even if he's playing outfield for Arizona, you can stick him in as your catcher that day uh, because finding all those games played from catchers, it's difficult. Uh, but if you've got a guy like Varsho, it's huge. Marwin Gonzalez, you can just stick him in there when he happens to be in the lineup for the Red Sox. So some names to pay attention to. And again, check your league, check the standards and, and see if those guys do have eligibility and uh, how it may fit for you on draft day. As uh, we near the finish line on this debut uh, edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast, we have a little fun at the end, and, and we'll do this fairly regularly with our eighth and ninth spots in the order because, hey, if you've watched baseball for any extent of uh, time, you know that when it gets to the bottom of the lineup, it kind of sucks. Boring. You know, the guys can't hit. Um, they're a bunch of Scott Kingeries, if you will. Um, but we're going to have some fun. We're, we're going to make it worth your while to stick around in the eighth and ninth spot of our lineup each and every time. Uh, Ray, at number eight every week, we're going to do, uh, or I should say every show because we're doing three a week, but uh, we're going to have the random reference. And this is something fun. We don't even know where we're going with this. Um, we don't know who we're going to talk about or what. What I'm doing is over at Baseball Reference, which, you know, for Ray, me, or anybody who's into baseball, Baseball Reference is a godsend. Um, it's, it's just an awesome uh, website to, to look up anything in Major League Baseball. And Ray, there is a tool at Baseball Reference where you can just click random player, boom, just random player. And it'll send you to a random page. So that's what we're going to do at every show in the eight spot. We're just going to click that button and see who we end up on and see where it leads us into a discussion. Now we do have one rule, only one rule with this random player. They have to have played in the fantasy era, uh, which for our purposes, we're saying is 1980 to the present. Uh, but Ray, that is still, and this hurts to say, 
That is still 40 plus years of baseball. Yeah. Number one, that means we can't talk about Honus Wagner, which disappoints me. Number two, (laughs) I feel old because my birthday is before 1980. So thanks for that, Kyle. Yeah, it's it's amazing. You and I watch 40 years of baseball. Yikes. I, I even threw out Whitey Herzog earlier to show how old I am. There you go. <laughs> well, let's see what the uh, baseballreference.com random page generates for us. We're going to click it right now. And uh, well, there we go, Ray. See, you don't always get a superstar. Um, this guy did play in the fantasy era. I'm double checking. But yes, in the 90s. Pitcher Jim Bullinger mm. of the Chicago Cubs. Now, that is a pitcher, Ray, who was, for the most part, terrible. <laughs> There's nothing here. He played from 1992 to 1998, okay. most of the time with the Cubs. Did go 12-8 and eight in 1995. But, Ray, you look at these ERAs. When you leave the 90s, the early 90s, might I add, with a career 5.06 ERA and a whip of 1.49, you're not good. You're not good in the 90s. You're probably not good any decade that you're pitching with those kind of numbers. Yeah, and over at Fantasy Guru every year at the preseason, I always talk about kind of benchmarks for hitters and pitchers. And you want to have the strikeouts here. You want to have the walks here. Like, just you, you want to draft guys that are above these baselines. And one of the baselines I throw out for starting pitchers is usually, hey, the, the strikeout-to-walk ratio. And I say, look, two five, you know, you want to get a guy above two and a half right? Sometimes you can dip below that, but really if the guy's below two and a half and the the strikeout to walk home, you want to look more closely at the guy and decide if it's worth it. Well, Jim here, uh, (laughs) 1.3. So not even half of the baseline. That was a different era. Guys didn't strike out as much, you know, okay. But uh, not even half, well, basically half, I guess, a little bit over that of what the suggested baseline is, Kyle. He would not have been a selection of mine in the mix league, I can say that. Yeah, and his best year was uh, 1995. I will give him credit, Ray, because we were talking about innings. Mm -hmm. You know, guys don't go deep. July 30th, 1995, Cubs an eight-nothing winner over the Phillies, and Ray Jim Bollinger had a three-hit complete game shutout on July 30th. Look at that. It, that might have been the high water mark of the Jim Bullinger experience. I don't remember that at all. I got to be honest yeah. with you. So He shut out a lineup that included Mickey Morandini. Okay. Uh Greg Jeffries, Charlie mm-hmm. Hayes, who is the father of Cabrian Hayes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh Kevin Stocker was the yep. shortstop. Um let's see Jim Deshays got the start for for Philadelphia. Oh. Uh, and for the Cubs in that game, here's some names, you know, Sean Dunstan, Mark Grace, Sammy Sosa. Um, and then names you don't know, like catcher Joe Kamak was catching that shutout. <laughs> Joe Kamak. I don't even remember Joe Kamak. Do you? Well, you can look him up. Yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> no. I don't <laughs> no remember Joe him. Wow. There it is. Let it be known in the history of this uh, podcast, the first ever random reference player, Jim Bullinger of the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Ray, let's uh, finish up the uh, podcast, finish up the lineup with the nine spot in the order. Um, And again, it's just kind of a fun thing to do. We're calling it the stamp of approval. And this is something from Ray and I will both give something the stamp of approval. And it can be about anything. It it can be maybe a show we're enjoying, a movie, um, a website, uh, a food, a stat, maybe. Uh, Whatever we want to tell the audience, Ray, they should check out. It gets our stamp of approval. Uh, what do you have to finish things off? What's, what's your stamp of approval for this uh, edition of the podcast? I think most people that have been listening to me do podcasts at, at Fantasy Gear for a while now know I'm not necessarily Mr. Traditional. So I'm going rogue. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying what I think the people want to hear. I'm just doing it. Uh, I've been watching older movies, TCM, 
uh, is one of my, my favorite stations on cable. And uh, I'm in the Barba Stanwick phase. And for those people, <laughs> that's that, a phase. That's a thing. That's a th- apparently. Kyle. I have not had that phase. Yet. No, well, maybe I'm a little older than you. Maybe it'll come to you in a few years. Uh, but yeah, Barbara Stanwyck, uh, S-T-N, S-T-A-N-W-Y-C-K is how you spell her name. And she's a, a fantastic actress. And she kind of rose to fame with the film Noir. Like she was the the sultry dame that all the guys wanted, but in the end would stab you with a knife if it benefited her. So uh, a great actress that, again, I'm, I've kind of fallen back in love with the Barbara Stanwyck persona. Kind of a looker too, right? Not too bad. Yeah, it says here she was an actress, a model, and a dancer. Mm -hmm. That's a a triple crown combination of kick and butt. Um, My stamp of approval is going to go with the food variety. Okay. And Ray, this is just, you know, Americana at its finest. Nice. Just want to say, because I got this yesterday. Just got to say, I know it's full of sodium and salt, and it's probably not good for you. But there is not a better bargain known to man, Ray, than the rotisserie chicken from either Costco or Sam's. It's five bucks and it's like four meals and it's already cooked and it's tasty as hell. And again, I know it's not good for you. I know it's a cheap way of having a good chicken, if you will. God knows what kind of cream and clear they're, they're feeding these chickens to make them so big. But Ray, it's damn impressive. So I give it my stamp of approval, the $5 rotisserie chicken at, at either Costco or Sam's. I did Sam's yesterday, Ray, and, you know, it was it was Dolly Parton breast. It, it was out of yeah. control uh, yeah. how, how big that chicken was. We do Costco here. Um, it's right near the house, but uh, we always struggle with it, too, because we look at it and we think the same thing. We're like, eh, <laughs> but it's five bucks. It's breakfast. It's dinner. Eh. It does taste damn good. I don't know what yeah, do it's good. It. I, and yeah. again, it's not good for I know it's fake. I don't care. It's America. That's what it is. Five bucks. What do you expect? <laughs> you know? so I just give it my stamp of approval. That, that's what I'm going with. That's of recent variety here in the Kyle Elfrink household. Uh, well, Ray, we've uh, reached the end of this first podcast, but um, we don't get much of a breather. We're back on Wednesday to talk some more baseball. Yeah, again, we're doing it three times a week and uh, looking forward to the Monday, Wednesday, Saturday routine with you, Kyle. Um, as we head out the pod door, uh, Ray, a reminder, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Baseball Guys. Where can they find you, Kyle? Um, I guess they can find me at the local Sam's Rotisserie Chicken Heat Tray. Nice. <laughs> they can't find me on Twitter, so look for me at your <laughs> local Sam's. Uh, that'll do it for us on the Baseball Elite Podcast. That'll do it for this edition of the podcast. And uh, hopefully we did it for you today. We'll see you on Wednesday, everybody.